This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn. Oh, he's hot. With an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters, May 31st. Here's an important life tip. It is absolutely essential that you always know where to find a delicious sandwich at a moment's notice. Usually the answer is as easy as Jimmy John's. You know you're always getting some good sandwiches because they make them with fresh baked bread, premium quality meats, and hand sliced veggies. Like their Italian nightclub made with salami, capicolo, ham, and provolone. Everybody loves that one. So if you're looking for the sandwich of sandwiches, order on the Jimmy John's app or online at jimmyjohns.com today. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Chelsea. How are you? I'm good. I'm just here in Whistler, just whistling and Whistler. Is it snowing or raining behind you? I can't quite tell. It was snowing and it turned to rain, which has been the saga of this whole season. It's supposed to be freezing yeah. temperatures so that it's rain, It's that, that it's snow, not rain. So when the freezing levels are higher and higher and higher, that means anything beneath that is wetter and wetter and wetter. And then it just turns to ice. Yes. It just ruins the snow, Ugh, basically. That's a and then it gets cold and it freezes the snow and then it turns into ice. So I'm basically a meteorologist now. <laughs> I mean, just add it to your list of skills. Yeah. I'm adding that as well as dog training. I've become very regimented in my dog training. Doug has an entire like situation going. <laughs> he has a life coach. He has a dog walker. He goes out <laughs> three times a week. She picks him up at nine and brings him back at noon. And then, right. I mean, yeah, my neighbor was like, hey, can Doug and his dog play, have a play date? And I'm like, his schedule is packed during the day. I'm like, <laughs> if you want Doug, you have to come at night. And he's like, okay, I'm going to come at six to pick up Doug because they play so nicely on the ski hill. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let me know any other nights you want to come get him. <laughs> his social calendar is so full. He has a lot of social activities. I feel like a soccer mom. Yeah. Everyone wants play dates with him. I'm like, we don't do one-on-ones. We only do group playmates. <laughs> he doesn't have time for anything else. Mm. Uh, well, you have a birthday coming up. I do. I filmed my ski video yesterday. Oh, exciting. Some special guests in that ski video. Oh, that'll be new and exciting for, mm -hmm. for this year. Yeah, exactly. I was actually going to be like, fuck it, because the weather's been so shitty and the snow's been kind of crappy. I was like, oh, fuck the video. And then my friends <laughs> were like, you can't do that. You have to do the video. It's tradition. It is tradition. But I also know that you're reading a fun new book that I just finished. Yes, you guys, we have to tease Kristen Hanna, author of The Great Alone, the book that I gave out to everyone as my Christmas gift, along with uh, Atomic Habits, which is a book I actually haven't read yet, but I heard great things about and I've read great things about and I've read everything but the book. <laughs> but uh, Kristen Hanna wrote The Great Alone and she wrote this new book. She wrote The Nightingale. She wrote a bunch of books. And the most recent book is called The Women, mm -hmm. which I am currently reading. And we are having her on the podcast soon. For So for all of our listeners who read The Great Alone and loved it, please read The Women to prepare prepare for our interview with Kristen Hanna. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's like her books are very long, but they're like you just consume them because her yes, characters yes. like Page -turners. super vivid. Yeah. Awesome. And we have a special guest today, which is one of my favorite people. She's a comedian. She has a bunch of she has her own podcast, too. And she is a new mother. Please welcome Rosebud Baker. Rosebud is back for her second well, it's the second coming of Christ, really. <laughs> she is back as, as, as a second time guest because we loved her so much the first time. And there's a pretty major update that has happened in Rosebud's life. If you don't follow Rosebud on social, well, you should. And you should also watch her comedy specials. You have two on YouTube, right? I have one on YouTube, two shorter sets on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. And then you have one on Comedy Central, right? Well, it's on Comedy Central's YouTube. It's called Whiskey Fists. Anyway, Rosebud, against my better judgment, decided to procreate. And when... <laughs> 
I have known her now for a few years. I've had the pleasure of knowing her for a few years. She's also a writer on SNL, so that's actually very much worth mentioning. (laughs) She's a married woman who I met because she's a very talented writer. And she was talking to me. I think she was opening for me on a couple of stand-up dates. And we were discussing freezing your eggs. And I was trying to dissuade you (laughs) from ever doing such a thing. And that it was not necessary to procreate. Because I assumed you were like more like me in in really... Because I felt like... You were on the fence, and yeah. I always feel like if anyone's on the fence, don't do it with children. Like, you should yeah. be 100,000% excited. And you were on the fence, and I was like, if you have any question, there's no question. Back it up. Yeah. And then you and I are different in that way, in that I feel like if you're 100% into having kids, you haven't thought it through. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're 100% into it, stop and think for a second. You know what I mean? But I, but Valid. I, yeah. And I, I remember you saying like, oh, you don't have to. And I, and I felt I was, I was kind of like, well, we'll see, we'll see. And then I froze embryos. Cause I was like, I wasn't sure. And then I got pregnant while I had COVID like right after <laughs> freezing the embryos. Oh, so oh, interesting. Got a little frisky while you were sick. It was against your better judgment and mine. <laughs> yeah. And Dr. Fauci's. And Dr. Fauci's. <laughs> So, okay, so since then, she's had a baby, and she has fallen madly in love with her baby, and I want to fucking hear all about it, Rosebud. Okay. I want to hear from everything, because I know your pregnancy, first of all, your pregnancy looked very uncomfortable for me. Watching you expand like that, she was on stage, I think up until probably like a week before you gave birth, right? Or was it even closer to your birthday? It was, it was not, no, it wasn't a week, but it was, I think I was like 36 weeks was the last time I was on stage. And then I went until 39 weeks. So it was like three weeks I was down. But yeah, it sucked. Okay. So I look at what you did as something that like, if I were ever to do it, I feel like I would have a similar experience that you did because of your attitude towards pretty much everything. Yeah. So take (laughs) us through it. Take us through the pregnancy. Take us through the news of becoming pregnant and all of that stuff. I want to know like what your roller coaster of emotions or if it wasn't a roller coaster of emotion. No, it was 100% a roller coaster of emotion. And it's an absolute, I just want to be clear, not for everybody, but for me, Pregnancy was a uh, no less than body torture that went on for nine months. It's bad when it starts and then it gets a little better. But by the end, I was like, oh, this is what makes it possible to give birth is that you're so miserable that you're like, I'll do anything to get them out. Like that's what makes it possible is just the amount of physical discomfort you're in. It kind of like gives you this willingness to just go to do whatever. You're like, I'll cut it out myself if this is where we're headed, you know? Which is where you're headed. Which is where we're headed. Yeah. So when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, oh, well, this sort of messes up the plan, you know? Yeah, because Rosebud's career is really on the upswing. You're taking off. You're getting the credit you deserve. And you only have your whole career ahead of you. So right. also, like, not great timing for a lot of people's mentality in this business. Right. People don't want to have kids until they're completely situated in their success. Exactly. And a lot of people are scared to do – yeah. But not you. Well, I was scared. I was. Are you de- smoking right now? Yeah, I'm vaping. <laughs> I'm back to vaping. She also couldn't do that while pregnant. I, I decided not to breastfeed because it's not for me. Wanted I have to a vape. Job and I also wanted to vape. That's the truth. And yeah. I was like, I've done enough. You know, I carried her. You're sober. I'm you sober. don't have any alcoholic or like addiction you can lean on except for vaping. Except for this. And so I, and the whole time that I quit, I was like, people were like, so are you quit for good? And I said, from the very beginning of my pregnancy until right now, I said, I'm going to go back the second that I can. And I was true to my word. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. I think here's one thing that my attitude has given me is like an unwavering faith that whatever decision I make is the right decision. And (laughs) I I don't care about people's opinions about it. I don't. I'm going to do what I want to do because a happy mom is a better mom 
than a mom that is miserable and a martyr. So I am just not, I'm not into that. And that's not the kind of mom I'm going to be. So what was the most uncomfortable part about the back to the pregnancy? Was it the weight gain? Was it was it indigestion? Like what was the part that was just so unbearable? It was that the weight of my baby caused my hips. My There's a joint that connects your pelvis in the front. And the weight of my baby was such that, and because your ligaments loosen up in pregnancy, my hips actually split. And so it just felt like my hip, my entire pelvis felt like a barrel of loose bones. So by the end of my pregnancy, I truly couldn't walk. And the worst part about it was that they had no solution. I went in and I was like, hey, it feels like my pussy's going to fall out of my asshole. And I need something for this. And they were like, support. Yeah. They said, well, you could just tape your hips together with this disgusting elastic underwear that's just medical underwear. So not only did I feel less sexy than I'd ever felt in my life, they also added medical underwear to that equation, which made it not the most glowing I've ever felt, you know? And, you know, there are women that glow during pregnancy. I was not one of those women. I It doesn't look good on me. It doesn't feel good on me. I fucking hated it from beginning to end. But by the time it was over, I was like, this was 100% worth it. I love my baby. It took some time. It wasn't immediate. To love her? Yes. Okay, tell us about that. I mean, I it didn't take some time to love her. I loved her the second. It was weird. Like, I would have died for her, but I couldn't tell you why. Because she didn't do anything. Like, she was truly like a, a blob. And it's like having a pet turtle for a while. You're just kind of staring at them and they don't do anything. And you're like, did I, I ruined my life. I ruined my life and I don't know what I'm doing. And I liked my life before and what have I done? And then one day they smile at you and it's like the whole thing changes. Now it feels like I have seltzer in my veins when I think about her. That's how much I love her. And I get excited to go home which was not the case when it was just a husband, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was like, (laughs) now I get excited. I'm so pumped. I get to talk to her. She smiles back at me. Like, every day it's a new thing. But for a while, it was really rough. And I, I was nervous about that time because I was like, I knew it was coming. Like, I knew that when she was here, I was gonna have a real identity crisis that, I wasn't, that nothing could have prepared me for. And so while it was happening, even being aware of it didn't help. Like I was just like, oh my God. And plus I was so raw. You're just an open wound walking around. Did you have a natural childbirth or did you get an epidural? I mean, I don't know. You're sober. I don't know what the rules are. I would assume you could get the one-time drugs are legally allowed to get get in your body yet that you would take that opportunity. Obviously. I, I said to the doctors, I don't want to push for one fucking second. I said, <laughs> I, I'm calling to schedule a C-section. I was 20 weeks when I called schedule a C-section. And they were like, well, you could give birth naturally. And I said, I have no interest. I want to know when I'm giving birth. I want there to be a, a deadline. And I want to go in there and I want a full spinal tap. I just want you to present my baby like a bottle of wine <laughs> and just say, here she is. And... It was really lovely. I mean, I really, really loved my labor. It was like, (laughs) I went in, I laid down, they gave me a baby, and then I was paralyzed for three days. And it was fantastic. That's perfect. That sounds like a procedure I would want without the end result being a baby, though. Yes. You know, like, I want to get a spinal tap. I want to be in bed in a hospital for three days getting drugs. And yeah, I like all the way, all, all of that sounds. I wouldn't even mind, like, a cesarean scar Yeah. if I had to get that in exchange no. for all of the supplies that they were giving me. <laughs> it was worth it. Well, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. 
Moms are more than the stuff they do for us. The laundry, cooking, and driving. And by the way, dad should be helping with that stuff too. She's got a whole life outside of motherhood. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best, and that's why Books is giving you 25% off your entire order of farm-fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Here's what's great about the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. Books has modern designs and unique flowers that you cannot find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mother. Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. So go to books.com and use promo code CHELSEA, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code CHELSEA. This podcast is brought to you by the new film Ezra from Bleecker Street. Directed by Tony Goldwyn and with an incredible ensemble cast that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose Byrne, Rain Wilson, and Vera Farmiga. Along with newcomer William A. Fitzgerald, the film is an endearing and often funny story about Max, a divorced father and stand-up comedian living with his father and struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When forced to confront difficult decisions about the future, Max and Ezra embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Ezra is an endearing and often funny exploration of a family determined to find their way through life's complexities with humor, compassion, and heart. An official selection of Deadline calls the film a touching testament to the power of love. IndieWire says it's funny and moving, and according to Next Best Picture, Ezra approaches autism with heart and authenticity. Only in theaters nationwide May 31st. Here's an important life tip. It is absolutely essential that you always know where to find a delicious sandwich at a moment's notice. Usually the answer is as easy as Jimmy John's. You know you're always getting some good sandwiches because they make them with fresh baked bread, premium quality meats, and hand-sliced veggies. Like their Italian nightclub made with salami, capicolo, ham, and provolone. Everybody loves that one. So if you're looking for the sandwich of sandwiches, order on the Jimmy John's app or online at jimmyjohns.com today. And we're back. So Andy is her husband. And I always find it very interesting how everyone, spouses are surprised by each other's reactions, behavior, and parenting when a baby comes on the scene. Yeah. So are you surprised by Andy? Tell me about his reaction and everything. I'm not surprised, but... I mean, because it's so, it's so what you would kind of expect from with our dynamic. Like, I was so nervous about getting like postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. And then he, being so supportive, decided to get it for me. And he got the postpartum anxiety and was <laughs> fully checking to see if she was breathing every five seconds, was scared to like zip up her onesie all the way because. <laughs> He thought it was going to choke her. I'm like, it's this is how they're designed. And all of that sounds like totally fine until you're putting the baby in the car seat. And he's like, well, leave it a little loose because it could kill her. I'm like, you don't want to like invalidate how he's feeling. But at the same time, how he's feeling is insane. Not valid. So It's not valid. <laughs> so you're like, what do I do here? And plus, I felt a little jealous because I was like, this is kind of like my time to be crazy. Like, I have like full carte blanche to be insane right now. And you're like taking that from me. So I had my own feelings about that as well. You know, where I had to work through. <laughs> like, I was like, this asshole is so sensitive. He's robbing me of my postpartum <laughs> yes. experience. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, and how quickly did you go back to work after you had the baby? What's your baby's name again? Minnow. Minnow. I was going to say Willow, but that's my other friend's baby. Okay, Minnow. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. What's her middle name? Baker. Because I was like, if mm. I, she's named after my favorite aunt. And I was like, if I give her the name Minnow, I can't give her like a, you can't, anything after that is like a Wes Anderson movie. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, you can't do like Minnow, Penelope. It's got to be something hard after minnow so solid i was like minnow baker haynes is that's her full name that's a cool name it's a good yeah name. so what have you discovered about yourself as a mother i guess i'm still kind of discovering it like i don't really know yet 
I'm still figuring that out. I'll say what I think I'm doing right, which is that when I'm with her, I'm 100% with her. Like I don't look at my phone. I don't mess with work. I'm just like with her 100%. And I love watching her grow up. Like I'm not someone who like, I don't feel sad when she grows out of something. I'm like excited to see her become who she is. And like, I don't have this kind of nervousness that I feel like a lot of parents have about her growing up. I'm excited. I'm genuinely excited for it. And I'm excited to see her become who she is. On the other hand, I went back to work after six weeks. And some people say like that's not a lot of time. To me, it's a lot of time. I wanted to start using my brain again for other things besides like changing her diaper and So the result of that is like, I do worry all the time that she's going to think Andy is her mom. I am constantly worried. Like, I, I look in her eyes to see if she thinks I'm like her dad's girlfriend. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, I feel genuine anxiety about the time that I spend away from her and how that is affecting her. And I worry about that all the time. Like, I keep trying to remember like how I felt about this stuff before I had a kid, which is like, she's a baby. It's going to be fine. You're her mom. There's nothing that's going to break that like bond. You're good. I just try not to overthink things. And has anything about your behavior since you had a child surprised you? No. I mean, I am surprised by how much I love her. Like I was prepared for the stuff that is bad. I'm prepared for, I've been sleep deprived. I've done things that I thought were impossible. Honestly, I've had a puppy and that is harder. Like having a puppy (laughs) is harder than having a baby. Puppies can run. They are born knowing how to run Uh and babies can't. So the sleep deprivation is tough, but out of the two, I'm like, that was probably tougher for us. So it's just been like, amazing to me how much I love her. I'm like, I I wasn't prepared for the good stuff. I really wasn't. Hmm. And so when you have questions or anything, like, do you have people to go to? Like, who do you go to? Do you go to your mom or any friends? I mean, I talk to Rachel Feinstein a lot because Rachel's a comic with a kid. And it's weird because I feel outside of comics in a way now that I didn't before. But I also feel outside of mom's in a way that I didn't expect to, because I'm like, you know, I don't get excited about decorations for Halloween. That's not something that I'm like excited about. So there's things about like being a mom that I feel distant from. So I just go to people who are comics with kids, you know, that I feel close to, and there's not a lot of them. So it, yeah, it's that there's not a ton of questions that I have. The only things that I'm like, really concerned about or like I'm like hey I'm crying more than I used to what's that about and people are like yeah that's pretty normal Rosebud it's not (laughs) like you don't need to be concerned about that but I wasn't a big crier before so that's kind of odd and what about your relationship with Andy has that brought you guys closer together because you've produced this thing it's brought us closer in a major way it's challenged our relationship in a huge way it's it's very difficult at this stage that we're in not to constantly be fighting about who's doing more you know that's like a thing Hmm. where you're just like well I did this and then well I did this and I found myself being like you're keeping score but so was I you know I had like a score (laughs) I had I had a tally of all the times he'd kept score so I was like I'm telling him not to keep score while keeping a tally of all the times that he's done it, which is we're both doing more than we thought we were capable of. And you definitely start to feel resentful about it, but you have to, you literally have to fight that urge to like, be like, it wasn't like this before. And it's like, yeah, no shit, dumbass. It's never going to be the same, you know? So that's been tough. But it also is like, I look at him and I'm like, holy shit, everything that I've made fun of him for, for years, like being so sensitive and so like caring, I'm like, there's no one in the world that if I was going to have a kid, I chose absolutely 100% the right person to have a kid with. And also 
if I weren't with him, this wouldn't be possible. Like this would not be possible. So Mm. yeah, there's that. I mean, that's not funny, but it's, that's the story. You know what I mean? No, I love it. I think Mm -hmm. it's always, yeah, I think it's always so fascinating (laughs) how people react to it. People always describe it as like your heart expanding to this degree of, you don't even know you have this capacity to love. I have a new puppy and I'm like, wow, I didn't know I had the capacity to actually take dogs for walks because my dogs don't fucking walk. They just stand there. And I've never, I always have rescues, so they're always old quick. And now I have a nine-month-old puppy and I'm like seeing myself I'm like I'm taking him to the doggy park like I I would never take them to the doggy park because they don't do anything at the doggy park and I'm like oh Mike and I'm talking about a dog and I'm like oh my god I'm like I'm my bandwidth is greater now because of he has such high energy and I want to support that yeah I'm like look at you cruising into motherhood for this seventh time as a dog owner (laughs) but I can only imagine you know that's on a obviously different level but like I can only imagine when people talk about your heart expanding and your capacity to like love someone so much, that's got to be the best feeling in the world. It is. It's funny because I used to hear that all the time. Like before I had kids, I used to hear, oh yeah, loving a dog is different than loving it. And I'm like, it's not though. I feel like love is love is love is love. You know what I mean? Like when Mm -hmm. I, I think about my pit bull, Alabama, and there's certain dogs, you know, that you have like a, that like real strong connection with and this was like my soul dog and I think about her and I'm like yeah it was the same level it was the same level of love that I feel now that I felt then I truly like love them both the same so I don't really think it's like a different thing you know right you would just jump in front of a car for both of them too I would like your degree of commitment is the same right yeah exactly to be honest, I, it's funny. I was like thinking about it. It was like a few days after Minnow was born and I was like walking her across the street. And I thought if a car came and hit us right now, what would what would I do? And literally my first thought was, well, my body would turn into metal and uh, the car would flip over. Like I literally was like, <laughs> <laughs> I just, that was what I thought. <laughs> it like took me a second to be like, oh, that's not physically possible. But <laughs> And what's your SNL schedule these days? Like, do you did you have to adjust that? Because I know you work crazy hours there. You all do. Yeah, i i haven't um, I haven't really adjusted the the schedule. I don't. I mean, I took those six weeks off, but i I work the same hours that I did before. You know, and I have a nanny, so it's that makes mm-hmm. me lucky. You know, is Mateo your nanny? Yeah, no, Mateo won't hold the baby. Mateo has come over. <laughs> So many times and, and, and just sits next to the baby. And I'm like, he's like, well, when she can hold up her head, then I'll, then I'll, then I'll hold her. But he's like, it scares the shit out of me. (laughs) Then I'll engage. Right. My dad always says that he's like, when they're out of the slug stage, like six months, like past six months, he's interested. But before that, he's like, no, 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 thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I'm kind of the same. I was not, I'm not really like a newborn gal. I, they don't do it for me until their eyes are open, and they're laughing. That's when it gets interesting. Absolutely. I mean, it's almost pathetic how useless they are in the beginning. <laughs> it is Defenseless pathetic. and useless. Like, it's just like a blah. Like, they have to be kept alive. Yeah. You're like, wow, they're like a slug. I know. It's, it's crazy. They're not even supposed to be out of the womb for, like, another. It's like human beings just can't physically carry a baby for as long as we're supposed to which is why they call that the fourth trimester is like those three months after they're born that they're just, they're not fully cooked. Like they, they have to finish cooking outside of the womb basically. Mm -hmm. And it shows. Was your mom there with you and helping you in the beginning? (laughs) Yes. My mom was, my mom was there. Yeah. And that was that very helpful to you? It was so helpful. And at the same time, it's like your mom is there. So it's so helpful and it's so hard. And then they leave and you're like, But then you watch them walk away and you're like sobbing. It's just very complicated, you know. 
Mm. Yeah. yeah, your mom is present on my Instagram page a lot. I notice her comments a lot. So yeah. we've cultivated a, a an online friendship. Has she? What does she say? That's none of your business, Rosebud. <laughs> it's really none of your business. Is she is she so supportive? Is she like, oh, I love She's a this. sweetheart. Yeah, she seems I she's somebody I I'm I, I'm interested in her. Yeah. I love parents. I'm always interested in parents, and she seems like she's off in the right kind of way. Yeah, she really is. She's the most earnest person. It's crazy that I came from her. I'm always just like, how am I your daughter? She's like a golden retriever, and I'm like the angel of death. And <laughs> I know. I know. It's very funny. Isn't that so interesting? It's so odd to me. My mother was so shy. My mother was so demure. She was like ladylike. And she was horrified by me and my yeah. presence. She was like, what are you? Are you a, are you a man? Like, what, what, what is this? Like, she had never seen a girl talk like me or act like me or be so la- like a loud mouth. And my mom was always just in like, not disgusted or repelled, more like shocked Confused. that I was of her. Yes. Like, yes. she's like, how did you come out of me? And I'm like, I don't know, bitch, but I'm here. And let's get down to business. And she was just, I remember she once found something like, I guess it was a hair, I mean, something gross in her salad. We were at the Olive Garden in New Jersey. And that was already, you know, traumatizing growing up by an Olive Garden. And And when she found the hair in her salad, I remember calling the waitress over to get rid of the salad. And my mom was like, no, no. And I was like nine. I'm like, excuse me. She found a hair. And my mom was like, no, no. So don't, it's okay. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. I was like, yeah. I was like advocating for her. And I realized then I was like, oh God, we are not on the same page right. <laughs> at all. Yeah. But it's so interesting to see that. Like, I wonder how that will be with Minnow, you know, if she's going to be a reflection of you and, or the complete opposite of you. I know. I wonder about that too. I'm really curious to find out. My mom and I, we went on a, you know, I took her to Italy on a trip while I was pregnant. Yes. How was that? It was so funny because here I am. I'm like, I'm, in my second trimester, I'm walking around Italy with my mother and my mom is, she's a painter. So she stops at every painting and reads the museum placard and sort of takes it in and breaks it down and cries, softly cries, and then comes oh. to me while she's crying and explains the meaning of the painting, right? And each time, I, don't, I can't summon the feeling each time, you know, I mean, it's like the Duomo. There's like, we spent all day in there. And I, at the end of the day, we went out to dinner and I was kind of like fed up. Right. And she, (laughs) she, she was like, what's the matter? And I said, I was like, it's just, you know, there's not enough hours in the day for the amount of crying that you got to do. I can't. And of course, she starts to tear up and she's like, well, do you just want me to pretend like I don't care? And I was like, yes, yes, I want you to pretend like you don't care just for a just for an hour, please. And so it became like a joke. Each time we walked by a painting, she'd be like, I mean, who gives a shit, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but now look at you. You're like, karma just landed on your doorstep because now you're crying all the time. I know. I'm like, God damn it. I've been seeing that happen a lot lately, like karma working in real time. Mm -hmm. Like even if I think like a nasty thought about someone, something will bite me right away or (laughs) I trip right away. And I'm like, oh, I go, I might, I must be so close to the surface of like, especially when it happens to other people too. I was skiing the other day with this elderly woman and she was a cunt. And she was like, (laughs) I think she was trying to, I didn't even want to go skiing with her, but a friend of a friend. And then, and then she blamed me. Like she was so unpleasant. Anyway, I was like, why am I spending my day with her? And then she started, she was kind of racing me and this is a woman in her older 60s and I'm like is she is she racing me right now and I'm like am I am I racing an elderly woman and I started to step it up and I was like going to race her back and then I stopped myself and said no no this this is so silly stop it what are you doing (laughs) and then she wiped out she wiped out so badly and I couldn't help but laugh I was like (laughs) you had that you had that coming. That is karma in a second. You're sitting here trying to race someone on a mountain. We're not racing. We're not fucking in the Olympics. We're just on a regular day. Yeah. So I kind of, I've been noticing that a lot lately, karma in real time, and I'm enjoying it, even when it happens to myself. 
Because it's a reminder, like, you know, you don't have to, like, even if you have a negative thought about someone, like, you don't have to say it every single time. Right. You don't have to emote it. And sometimes it's better to leave it inside. So I like it as a reminder personally, and I like seeing it happen to others. Yeah. Although I do like when I have a negative thought, just texting it to someone immediately. I love, yeah, I do course. love to. That's what Mateo, that's what Mateo is for. Yeah. <laughs> He's my receptacle for negative thoughts. I know. Or if I'm, if I, I'm having a moment of shade and proud, you know. Yeah. I like to share that. He's a good audience for that. He's perfect for it. I know. He's ridiculous. Sometimes Mateo will just text me a name and I'll just write pass. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Moms are more than the stuff they do for us. The laundry, cooking, and driving. And by the way, dad should be helping with that stuff too. She's got a whole life outside of motherhood. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best, and that's why Books is giving you 25% off your entire order of farm-fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Here's what's great about the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. Books has modern designs and unique flowers that you cannot find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mother. Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. So go to books.com and use promo code CHELSEA, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code CHELSEA. This podcast is brought to you by the new film Ezra from Bleecker Street. Directed by Tony Goldwyn and with an incredible ensemble cast that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose Byrne, Rain Wilson, and Vera Farmiga. Along with newcomer William A. Fitzgerald, the film is an endearing and often funny story about Max, a divorced father and stand-up comedian living with his father and struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When forced to confront difficult decisions about the future, Max and Ezra embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Ezra is an endearing and often funny exploration of a family determined to find their way through life's complexities with humor, compassion, and heart. An official selection of Deadline calls the film a touching testament to the power of love. IndieWire says it's funny and moving, and according to Next Best Picture, Ezra approaches autism with heart and authenticity. Only in theaters nationwide May 31st. Here's an important life tip. It is absolutely essential that you always know where to find a delicious sandwich at a moment's notice. Usually the answer is as easy as Jimmy John's. You know you're always getting some good sandwiches because they make them with fresh baked bread, premium quality meats, and hand-sliced veggies. Like their Italian nightclub made with salami, capicolo, ham, and provolone. Everybody loves that one. So if you're looking for the sandwich of sandwiches, order on the Jimmy John's app or online at jimmyjohns.com today. Okay, we're back. we're back. All right, Catherine, what the fuck is happening? Oh my today? gosh, we have some parenting questions. Well, some having babies questions because I figured that'd be that'd be perfect for you. Perfect. That's my wheelhouse. We've got some DNA questions. We've got a, a whole bunch of crazy questions. Dating, mm. also dating. Our first question comes from Janine. She says, "Dear Chelsea, I'm struggling with a big decision right now. I cannot decide whether or not to find the identity of my biological grandfather." My father has wanted to know who he is ever since he was a boy and found out that my grandpa was not his biological dad. My grandmother refuses to tell him. In a recent twist, we found out via DNA test that his, quote, cousin is actually his complete biological sister. He confronted my grandmother about it, and now they aren't speaking. The problem is my grandmother is obsessed with her image and her social standing, not to mention she's a total bitch to my dad every chance she gets. My father's half-siblings have no idea about any of this. This has left a huge hole in my dad's life. He's always been so good to me, especially when I came out being a lesbian when I was a teenager. I really want to find out for him, but I don't want to overstep his boundaries or risk any more fighting than we already have on that side of the family. What do you think I should do, Janine? I think you should just go for it. 
Don't worry about all the drama. If you don't participate in drama, you're not part of the drama. You're just, your dad wants to know where he's from. Go help him. And forget yeah. about your grandmother. Like, that's her own problem. Let her deal with her own emotions and you do the right thing for your dad, which sounds like he wants that too. So I don't think that's a, I think that's a no-brainer. I think everyone gets caught up in all the drama. You don't have to participate in drama. You can just do your thing and then extricate yourself from the situation and let everything, let the chips fall where they may, right. as they say. Rosebud, your thoughts? I agree. I feel like people's opinions about you are none of your business. And if you want to help out your dad, go for it and let the chips fall where they may, like you said. Like, it's just, just see what happens, you know? You could just yeah. sit back and yeah. watch. You could You could enjoy it. Yeah, sit back. Exactly. Sit back, get some popcorn and just enjoy, enjoy <laughs> other people floundering. Yeah. But also the other thing is like your, your grandmother saying your grandmother's really protective over her image. That's no one's problem but hers. Yeah, it's her. Right. So yeah. don't ever feed into other people's pretend lives, pretentiousness or their image. You know, like that's, th- that is their deal and they need to deal with that right. because the truth is what the truth is and that's going to affect them however it's going to affect them. Worst case scenario, what? She has to accept who she actually is at the end of her life. That sounds like a pretty good payoff to me. Mm, I agree with you, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing is, like, I don't think you have to advertise it. Like, just because you and your dad are going to find this out, there's already plenty of secrets that everybody else doesn't know about. Like, if you don't want to advertise, they don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. When you're not in the argument, there's nothing to argue about. Mm-hmm. Like, if, mm-hmm. as long as you don't subscribe to it, it's, it diffuses. Like, if someone's yelling at you and you're not saying anything back, eventually they're going to walk away because there's nothing to argue about. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Anyway, right. wise, wise words from the sagacious Chelsea Joy Handler. Let's move on to the next question. <laughs> Moving on. Lauren says, dear Chelsea, modern dating is hard. Between the apps and meeting in person, it's all fun and games until it's just the games. I'd love your advice on when it's time to bring up what someone's intentions are. I know it may seem silly, like I could just be honest and ask someone, but what I really mean is when you're dating someone and you see potential, but also don't want it to be just another hookup or friends with benefits situation. How do you casually bring this up without sounding crazy or that you're trying to tie them down? And I don't know what, if there's an answer to this, but how many dates before you sleep with someone that you see potential with? I'm no prude, but I don't want to be just another notch in someone's bedpost. This back and forth with men walking in and out of my life makes me wonder if I will ever find someone that will stick around. One guy told me he's ready to settle down, and then days later, I see him back on the dating apps looking for a long-term relationship and monogamy. The one after him I found out was a former cop that sexually assaulted a girl and has to register it as a sex offender. So as you can tell, dating is quite the learning experience, which is why I'd like your advice. Any advice would be amazing. Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hi. Good morning. How are you? We're good. Thank you. This is Rosebud, our special guest today. Hi, Lauren. She's a dating expert, so you're in good hands. (laughs) Oh, perfect. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Good to see you, Catherine. Hi. Listen, there's a bunch of fucking assholes out there, but that goes for women and men. And like a da- the dating scene is so up and down and, and you shouldn't follow any set of rules is my personal opinion. Same. You need to listen to your gut and you need to listen to like what you're interested in. Also, I feel like so many times as young women, we are so programmed to try to discern if the guy likes us, if the guy wants to be with us, when's the right time to sleep with him so that he'll speak to us again and we'll still, and he won't, he'll still respect us. It's like, what do you want? What do you, like, Mm -hmm. what are you attracted to that we, we kind of marginalize our own feelings in exchange for what we want to do to please men. And I think you have to take it always back to yourself. Who do you like? You know, when do you want to sleep with someone? There is no prescription of when it's a perfect timing because if you meet a guy who's great and you have chemistry and you both like each other you could sleep together right away and then spend the rest of your life together possibly there's no like oh if I wait 10 days and he's going to respect me more I mean I don't buy into any of that I think there you know you know when you have chemistry with somebody and I think setting your intention as early as you want is fine then you're weeding out anybody who's going to waste your time you know why you don't have to wait five days because you're going to scare them off. There's a way to say what you're looking for without being desperate about it. There's a way to say, hey, how old are you? 
I'm 28. Okay. There's a way to say, hey, I'm 28. I've dated a lot. I'm ready for or whatever your history is. I'm ready yeah. for something a little bit more substantial. So I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Even before you go out on a date, you know, it may change after you go out on a date and they'll say, you know, what they say may not be true afterward. But all you can do is be honest outbound with yourself and your feelings and then you're clean you know what I mean like you're not playing games you're not doing anything wrong even if the first five guys you might be interested in aren't reciprocating that or don't Mm -hmm. end up being in your life you have a clear conscience because you're being very very direct and kind of self-actualized about what you want so to speak. And yeah. I always think that reaps more dividends than anything else because then nobody can get confused. You're clear, then they're clear. Yeah, definitely. No, I think that's really good advice. And I think, I mean, I have been dating a lot and I, I like to be very upfront and direct, but sometimes I feel like, you know, I may get one response and then their true color show later on. I just feel like I keep running into these like situationships. It seems like it's like this modern dating, whether it's the apps or in person. And it's like, it's exhausting, you know, and that's part of dating. And I get all of that. But I think it's hard to kind of find that middle ground sometimes. I think when you are like, if you just do what if you do what Chelsea does, or what she's promoting you do which I think she also does in her personal life is like if you just say this is where I'm at this is what I want it might not you might not be the right person for this but this is what I want and if you're not the right person for this maybe we should go separate ways now and they say no 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 I am this is what I want this is you know because men they're a lot of times I've noticed in my own dating history that they'll lie and say something that they think I want to hear the same way that I've bent myself into different shapes, hoping that I don't scare them off. So I think we're all kind Mm -hmm. of like programmed to do this to one another. But once you get that information of like, Oh, he was lying because he thought this is what I wanted to hear. And you, you just go, okay, that's all the information I need. I can move on to the next one. And you don't get discouraged by that. I think that's a really helpful attitude to have of like, you have time, you know what I mean? You have all the time in the world. So to just say like, all right, like when I met my now husband, I was, we had slept together on the first night. I anal, they did anal. We did anal (laughs) on the first night. Yeah. When I say slept together, it was hardcore anal. And, um, and, and I said to him, like, look, I don't know if you're the right person for me, but I do know that I want to get married. So if you aren't into that idea, we should start dating other people. And he was like, well, I don't want to date other people. And I said, okay, well, then you know where I stand and you know where I'm at. And if this gets serious, I I just want you to know, I want to get married. So that's where I'm at. And we can just keep going on as if Mm. this conversation never even happened, but just know that's where I stand, you know? And know that the conversation did happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then it ended up working out. But like, I wasn't even sure that he was the guy for me when I told him that. I just knew that that was what I wanted. So yeah, it was like, I had to put my own shame and feelings about how he would feel about it totally aside. Like I had to be like, I don't care what your reaction is to this. In fact, the more honest your reaction, the more information for me, Mm -hmm. I can move forward just by watching you react to this. So I think that's a good way being true to yourself and where you stand with things and how they react is going to determine, you know, how or whether you move forward with them. And it's almost better knowing it that way than finding out maybe later on when it fizzles out. But also the other thing is, is like women, especially in your 20s and your 30s, before you really are like fortified in your self-worth. I mean, you seem like you have self-worth. So I I like to see that. But I also would like to say like that is a practice. You have to practice Mm -hmm. your self-worth. And by announcing to these guys or having real adult conversations is a constant cementing of your self-worth, saying this is what I'm interested in. And if you're not, that's fine too. But like, let's just be on the same page. And conversely, if the opposite were true, I just had a conversation with a guy where I'm like, listen, there's nothing serious happening here. This is winter time. I like having sex when I'm skiing and a lot of fun. And it's over when I leave in March. 
And he was like, wow, that's pretty harsh. I go, well, you can take it as harsh, but that's where I am. If it's not going to be you, it's going to be another guy. I didn't say that part to him, but that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. you can sign up for this program, or, <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm never going to be deceptive. I'm never going to pretend. Yeah. I mean, you know, like if it does get serious, great, but that's not my intention. I'm not trying to get yeah. serious. So, mm-hmm. and I think that works in all ways because it's just a good reminder to yourself to always say your truth. Especially yeah. when dating, when guys can be, you know, these dating sites are filled with tons of assholes. So you just have to know so that going bad. in. So it's like, you know, yeah. if you get one good guy out of 10 dates, then that's what's out there. You know, every 10 dates, you're going to find somebody, oh, that's actually a potential. But, you yeah. know, if that's what you're after, that's kind of what you have to do these days. And just know that nothing is personal. Like, who yeah. cares if someone doesn't like you? Move on to the next guy. There are millions, billions of men out there. Yeah. So, yeah. So just keep that and practice the art of, like, self-respect. I think also there's an element of separating, like, could this be something in the future and do you eventually want a long-term relationship slash marriage, whatever, and being exclusive. Like, I think you can find out if that's where someone's end goal is, that they want, you know, a long-term relationship and not necessarily be like, we're a boyfriend and girlfriend. We don't see anybody else right now until, like, you actually feel like you want that with that person. Right. Yeah. And that's where I think like what's hard and, you know, whether it's on the apps or just in person, you know, when you start consistently seeing someone like when do you kind of define the relationship and when do you whether it's not that I'm trying to get married tomorrow, but, you know, when you finally meet someone you'd like to, you know, see where things go, it turns into this. When do you have that conversation and still staying true to yourself? But at that point. That's, I don't think you have to know that they're the the guy. You can also be clear, like, I'm not even sure if this is you. You can say, like, I don't know if it's you that I'm talking about, but I know that this is what I'm mm. looking for, you know? Yes, I like that a lot. Yeah. If you're not it, that's okay. I'm not, I'm just having this conversation for me because I want to be clear about my intentions. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, and also, you know, like, Everyone is always looking for a timeline. Like it's it's different for every relationship Mm -hmm. when you're supposed to, you know, sometimes it's mutual, sometimes it's them, sometimes it's you. And not trying to control the outcome of something before it begins is a nicer, easier way to go through everything. You know, not trying to say, okay, by six months I have to be engaged or by this as a, like that kind of hard line thinking doesn't allow for fun and spur of the moment, like a joie de vie that you kind of want to implement into your dating life because you are only 28. You could have like three or four loves before you meet the guy, you know, you could have, and like, wouldn't you want that? I want that for you. I want you to have a lot of different guys to like experience so that when you're ready to really ready to settle down, you settle down. And that, that could be your intention the whole time, but it's nice to, you know, the more experience you get, the the better in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think through dating, it's like I'm figuring out more of the things that I don't want and honestly more about myself and what I do. So I think that's a good way to look at it, not rushing things and just kind of, you know, going with the flow a little bit and having some fun. Yeah. Yeah, And having fun, right? Like some people aren't going to be your boyfriends. They're just going to be like a casual guy for two months. And that's fun. Mm -hmm. As long as you're not, you know, uh, it has to end with this result. Like you can have fun with all sorts of different people in in different ways. I mean, men do it. And, you know, I feel like not enough women do that. Yeah. No, it's not the same standard. It needs to be about our pleasure. If they're not going to make it their number one priority, then we have to. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And I feel like we have to anyway, regardless of what they do. Yeah. I mean, I spent so many times in my 20s and 30s, a little bit in my 30s, faking orgasms, faking, like, just pleasing men. I mean, and and now I'm like, I don't even give a shit if you come. Just go down on me and we'll talk about it. If this leads to something else. Like, I am so (laughs) selfish now. I don't even fucking care, you know? Like I, it's a, it's a complete role reversal of the way I was in my twenties. So yeah. just remember that when you sit down with a man, do you like him? Yep. Not does he yeah. like you? Yeah. On that first, second, third date, like, you know, ask yourself, like, is he even worth having the sort of like DTR defining the relationship talk with? And the answer yeah. might be no on the first, second, third date. And then you right. move on to the next yeah. one. Wow. DTR. That was quick, Catherine. Is that some lingo that I <laughs> yeah. don't know about? DTR. The DTR. Can yeah. I have the DTR? Sounds you like DMET, D5DMEOT, which is frog venom. <laughs> Do um, I've inhaled DMOT, it once. Then have the DTR. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to send you off. Good luck with everything. And remember, 
self-worth, self-value, self-respect. Start there and then move on out. Thank you. Well, I'm excited you're coming to LA. I'm going to try to make it out to your show. So. Oh, yes. The YouTube Theater, May 11th. That's going to be a yes. fun show. Yes. Come. Thank you so much for all of your guys' advice. I'll definitely keep it in mind as I continue the process. Okay. Well, good luck. And Thanks, I'm Lauren. sure you'll be very successful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Lauren. Bye. Come here, Doug. I want to show you Doug, but he's so fucking big, I can't even lift him up. I threw my back out yesterday, taking him to the dog park. And then I get to the dog park, and there's this guy who's like, there's a massive dog, and he's like, hey, is it okay to take my dog off leash? And I'm like, well, it's an off-leash dog park, so why are you asking? He goes, do you have any snacks on you? I go, why? What would happen if I do? I need the full, what's, and I said, what kind of dog is that? He goes, oh, he's half wolf. I'm like, we're leaving. (laughs) Half wolf. (laughs) Fuck off. That's so L.A. I'm in Whistler, so. Oh, they have they have half wolves in Whistler. That I don't check. see wolves in L.A. Do you, is that allowed? I feel like people would find find a loophole out there. Yeah, <laughs> it's it. Actor dogs, are, you can have I think up to a half wolf. I had a neighbor. I had one neighbor. Oh, if you're in an wolf. actor, yeah. Well, the dog is an actor. <laughs> oh, oh, I was like, wait, actors get to have wolves, but regular yeah. civilians don't. Uh, I wouldn't even blink an eye if that was the rule. I'd be like, that I does, know. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It is illegal to own a coyote. And I also had a neighbor that owned a coyote. And I was like, wow, looks like a coyote. They're like, yeah, yeah. Don't tell anyone. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you should have reported them right away. I yes. no, have no problem telling on people all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, our last question today comes from R. That's it? R? Just R. Just our, mm. we could give her a name. It's Rachel. It's me. Remedial. Yeah. <laughs> it's me. It's from Rosebud. It's from Rosebud. <laughs> Hi, Chelsea. I'm listening. It actually could be from you. <laughs> Giving yourself advice. You wrote into yourself so you could give yourself advice. <laughs> uh, I'm listening to your episode with Elise Lonan, and she just asked you about pushing through your fears. I love this idea under most circumstances, but my fear about having a second child seems like one that I'm not sure is worth pursuing. A little backstory. I got pregnant with my daughter in March 2020. Whoops. Being a mom is all I ever wanted. With all of what 2020 took from literally everyone, it really cast an insane toll on my mental health while being pregnant. After my daughter was born, my postpartum depression and anxiety skyrocketed. I resisted medication at first and was talking to a therapist. Finally, after the darkest year of my life, I got on medication and really came into my own. I still struggle here and there, but my daughter is now two and a half, and I'm having the time of my life. Here's the thing. I'm terrified of the idea of having a second child. I'd always wanted multiple kids before. No less than three, no more than five. What? When I read that now, I can't believe I ever said that and really thought that's what I wanted with all my heart. I feel like a completely different person after what I went through. Do I accept the realities of my first experience and move forward with a new perspective on my future? Or do I push through my fears of having a second child because I can trust that I can get through the hardship I might endure for longer-term joy? I hear your voice saying, don't have a child unless you're 100% positive, but I'm struggling with knowing which of my voices to listen to. Thanks for reading, R. Mm. I don't think having a second child is pushing through fear. When we, I talk about pushing through fear, I'm talking about like daring yourself to like do stuff that you're not comfortable with. You, this fear is actually like based in what your experience was. Like yeah. you had a reaction after having a child. But I do think that having been through it and surviving it, which I know nothing about, I want to be very clear. I don't, I think once you survive something, then it seems a lot more reasonable to expect that you will survive it again. So if having a child is so important to you, I would say go for it. But I wouldn't frame it as pushing through your fears. I would frame it as getting to the end goal of like long-term happiness and having the family that you even desired many years ago when you wrote down how many kids you wanted to have. I think that you should go for it because you know what it is. And while it might not be, it may not even happen the second time, what happened to you the first time. Mm -hmm. And even if it does, you survived it. So there's really, like, if you really want the kid, that's the question. Do you want a second child? And if the answer is yes, I would say go for it. She survived it, and she's got the tools now, too. You know, she's got the medication and the therapy. Rosebud, what about you? God, I'm like, that's just like a hard question for someone else to answer. I feel like that's such a personal choice that I don't know. 
I, I truly, cause I'm in the same position where it's like, I mean, I, I would be, I don't want a second kid, but it would be terrifying to me if I did want one, it would be terrifying to choose to do it. And I know what she means by, I don't know which voice to listen to. Cause that's how I felt before I had my first kid was, I was like, I don't, it's, it scared the shit out of me having a kid. And for good reason, it is terrifying and life-changing and you do feel like a totally different person. And I think if there's anything that I could say, it's like, just take a minute to yourself to really work through how much you want this, you know, because if you really want this and you're just scared, I agree with Chelsea, like, you have the tools, you've done it before, you can do it again. And if you don't, you'll find that out. But I think it's going to take, to me, it sounds like a little bit like you're still unsure just from the question. So I would say it's okay to let, to give time, time, and to just figure out how badly you want this, you know? Because I think that's really what it comes down to is like how badly you want it. So I, I don't know if that's an answer, I, but it's, it's hard to answer a question that's like such a personal choice, you know? Yeah. And also sit with yourself, whether you meditate or not, sit alone right. quietly. Like women, we have like a total intuition and mm -hmm. a total knowing when we actually allow ourselves to like be very still, be very quiet and think, is this something that you're going to do? And your body is going to tell you like you're, you have to, you know, you really have to kind of get in touch with yourself, but it's not that hard. We have such strong intuitions mm -hmm. within ourselves. I agree. I would say to like really try to listen to yourself and really just like sit with yourself for like 15 minutes every morning just with your eyes closed and thinking about what this means to you and if you're ready and if you're ready to take this on. And I bet you that you are. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think if you're not ready to move forward right now, you know, like Rosebud said, it's not a question that has to be answered today. But part of what keeps us spinning is not having made the decision. Mm -hmm. So maybe just like put a pin in it, be like, you know what, I'm not going to make a decision on this. I'm giving letting myself off the hook for the next six months. And then like literally put on your calendar six months from now or three months or a year, whatever you think. Okay, let's dive into this again. Let's think about this again. And, you know, give yourself a little bit of a break. Yeah, I think with I, I was like torturing myself with the question for so long about whether or not I wanted to have a, a kid. And I think when I finally did get pregnant, I thought, well, this is terrifying. And while I'm very scared, I want this more than I am scared of it. And I wanted, there was something even about the fear that intrigued me. So I, mm. I was like, I want to go into this just to see what it does to me. I want to like, I want to be changed and I want to experience all of this, even if it's horrifying. And that kind of makes the fear not something to be avoided, but something that you can kind of dive into and explore, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that. that's well said, Rosebud. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're going to take a break and uh, we'll come back to wrap things up. Moms are more than the stuff they do for us. The laundry, cooking, and driving. And by the way, dad should be helping with that stuff too. She's got a whole life outside of motherhood. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best, and that's why Books is giving you 25% off your entire order of farm-fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Here's what's great about the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. Books has modern designs and unique flowers that you cannot find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mother. Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. So go to books.com and use promo code CHELSEA, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code CHELSEA. This podcast is brought to you by the new film Ezra from Bleecker Street. Directed by Tony Goldwyn and with an incredible ensemble cast that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose Byrne, Rain Wilson, and Vera Farmiga. 
Along with newcomer William A. Fitzgerald, the film is an endearing and often funny story about Max, a divorced father and stand-up comedian living with his father and struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When forced to confront difficult decisions about the future, Max and Ezra embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Ezra is an endearing and often funny exploration of a family determined to find their way through life's complexities with humor, compassion, and heart. An official selection of Deadline calls the film a touching testament to the power of love. IndieWire says it's funny and moving, and according to Next Best Picture, Ezra approaches autism with heart and authenticity. Only in theaters nationwide May 31st. Here's an important life tip. It is absolutely essential that you always know where to find a delicious sandwich at a moment's notice. Usually the answer is as easy as Jimmy John's. You know you're always getting some good sandwiches because they make them with fresh baked bread, premium quality meats, and hand-sliced veggies. Like their Italian nightclub made with salami, capicolo, ham, and provolone. Everybody loves that one. So if you're looking for the sandwich of sandwiches, order on the Jimmy John's app or online at jimmyjohns.com today. And we're back to wrap things up with Rosebud Baker. (laughs) Rosebud, what do you have to say for yourself after today's episode? (laughs) Just that I love you. And this was fun. (laughs) And I can't wait to see you again. It's been way too long. I know. I know. I'm going to get an apartment in New York. I'm just waiting for my house in LA to wrap. Yeah, totally. I tried to get one, but then someone else got it. So, but I'm, I'm trying. I I need to live in New York for sure. Yes. So I will see you at some point and I can't wait to see you either. Yeah. You need to come to New York. It feels like everyone in LA's brain is melting. It's so scary. It is really. Yeah, I agree with that. There's a real no stim- <laughs> There's a, a real lack of stimulation in LA. <laughs> Something's going on over there. It's dark. It's like... Rosebud, you are always a delight. Catherine, thank you. Uh, everyone who called in, thank you. And thank you to our listeners. Good times. Good times, everybody. Thanks for having Keep me, Chelsea. Up. Okay. Take care, Rosebud. Okay. So Chelsea Handler is my name. And comedy is my game. Comedy and therapy are my games. I'm sorry. I misspoke. I have added more shows. I added a second show in Vancouver. We So I have two shows in Vancouver, March 29th, March 30th. I am coming to Calgary, Victoria, Kelowna. Then I've added another show in Sydney, Australia on July 13th. So I have two shows in Sydney, July 12th and 13th. For other shows in Australia and New Zealand, go to ChelseaHandler.com. And I've added two shows in Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma on May 3rd and um, one in Thackerville, Oklahoma, which is May 4th. And then I'll be at the YouTube Theater May 11th in Los Angeles with Mateo Lane and Vanessa Gonzalez and Fortune Feimster and Sam Jay. Those are my updates and uh, more shows are coming. So pay attention. If you'd like advice from Chelsea, shoot us an email at dearchelseapodcast at gmail.com and be sure to include your phone number. Dear Chelsea is edited and engineered by Brad Dickert, executive producer Catherine Law. And be sure to check out our merch at ChelseaHandler.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Here's an important life tip. It is absolutely essential that you always know where to find a delicious sandwich at a moment's notice. Usually the answer is as easy as Jimmy John's. You know you're always getting some good sandwiches because they make them with fresh baked bread, premium quality meats, and hand-sliced veggies. Like their Italian nightclub made with salami, capicolo, ham, and provolone. Everybody loves that one. So if you're looking for the sandwich of sandwiches, order on the Jimmy John's app or online at jimmyjohns.com today. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb, available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you.